Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. If you're a guest here this morning, I'm going to welcome you, and I want to just say thanks for coming. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad that you could join us. And I know that we have people watching literally from all over the world. So for wherever you are, we're so glad you're here. If you are a guest this morning, right out in the grand foyer, we have a guest services table. And there we have all kinds of information about our church. If you are looking for a home church, I would ask that maybe you would grab some of that information, take it home, talk about it with your spouse, with your family, pray over it if you're single, and just ask, God, where do you want, my be, want me to be? And you're going to hear him say, Central Community. <laughs> We'd love to have you here. Amen. Well, today I just want you to know that uh, we're going to talk about faith. And so if you are at the end of your rope If you're wondering if you can even go any further, I want you to know something. The salvation has come to this place today. And so remember that the word of our heavenly father is powerful and it changes us. And my prayer for you today is that as you hear this word and however God gives it to you, because you're all going to hear it in a different way, take it bury it deep inside your heart, and then ask God to show you how he wants you to use it throughout the week. All right, now, as we go with this story or this message of faith, I want you to know that Pastor Justin and Amanda aren't here today. Did you notice that? They haven't been here for a couple weeks, and there's a reason for that, because they've been in China Six years ago, they started a journey of faith. And you know what happened? God put on their heart to adopt a child. COVID hit. Oh, great. And you know what? Everything was pushed back. But you know what? They were told that they had a little girl and that her name was Paige. They got some pictures, and all of us on staff, we began to pray for them. Well, I want you to know, and I want you to see something, okay? All right? They flew over our church at 11 o'clock this morning. Isn't that awesome? And they're back home. So, boy, that's another way to grow your, your church, right? But I just want you to continue to pray for them as this little girl goes through all of the adjustments of moving from China to the United States. And I want you to know, I can't wait till that time when Justin comes up and preaches. Pastor Justin, excuse me. When he comes up and preaches, oh, is he going to have a story for us? But his story is about faith. My friends, how's your faith this morning? Is your faith strong? Is it vibrant? Are the muscles of faith bulging in your shirt that you're wearing even though it's too small? (laughs) Or are you struggling? Are you wondering, I wonder if I really have enough faith? In other words, if God were to come today 
To be honest with you, there was a time when I knew I was going to heaven, but today I'm just not sure. Because life has kicked me in the teeth. And I'm at the end of my rope. So I want to share with you a good definition of faith, okay? Here it is. Faith is stepping from a secure place to an insecure place. How many of you would agree with that? Now here's what I've learned in my life, okay? You can either choose to step out in faith or God's gonna shove you out, right? I mean, that's the way life is. But wouldn't you agree with me? Our goal in life is to be comfortable. I mean, I know mine is. I work, I work hard, I I get a paycheck, and I save because I wanna live a comfortable life. But you know what? That's not what God has called me to do, and that's not what God has called you to do. Can you relate to my life, or am I the only one living it? I so want to be comfortable, but then I go back to what that rabbi told me in Israel the last time I was there. Can I give you a piece of advice, pastor? Please, I love it. And here's his advice. Always live your life in a way that you are totally dependent upon God. So maybe today, maybe a few of us are going to say, you know what? I've been comfortable long enough. Now I'm gonna step out in faith and I'm gonna believe God and his promises for who he is. You see, if you are going to live and step out in faith, you have to align your agenda with his agenda. And when you do that, your agenda doesn't matter. So what does faith look like? Well. Let's see, for Noah, faith was build yourself an ark of cypress wood 300 cubits long. For Abraham, it was leave your country, your land, and go to a land I will show you. For Moses, it was raise your staff and extend your arm and see if I won't part the waters before you. For Elijah, it was, answer me, God, answer me, God, and show these people that you are turning their hearts back to you again, and fire fell down from the sky. For Esther, faith was, and when you are finished, I will go into the presence of the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. For Peter... It was, Lord, let me come to you. And Jesus said, come, Peter. And Peter had to step out of the boat. All of those are great moments of faith, are they not? But here's what I need you to hear this morning. There are many of you here today who are questioning if you have enough faith. And that's the wrong question. Because here's what I want you to understand. It's never about how much faith you have. It's always about the object of your faith. Now listen to me. When the object of your faith is Jesus, even the little faith that you have, Jesus says, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will be done. So let me ask you this morning, 
Where in your life is God trying to move you from that secure place to that insecure place so you have to depend on him? Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Hebrews chapter one, I'm just gonna read one verse. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I know that you are moved at the faith of your people. Grow my faith in such a way that you are amazed. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Can you hand me a Kleenex, dear? Thank you. I was gonna go like this, but then I would get in trouble later. Okay, so I'm gonna share with you in a little bit a story from the scriptures, from the book of Luke, about faith. And uh, before we do that, though, is you need to understand the context. You need to understand what's going on in the story, because if you don't, you're not going to understand the story that, that you're going to hear. So here's the story. Jesus and his disciples are out in the countryside, and Jesus has been up on the mountain, and he's been praying. He comes down off of the mountain, and people know, and they figure out where he's at, Okay. So what happens is, is that we learn that people from Judea and Jerusalem and people from the coastline of Tyre and Sidon, I mean, what I mean by that is that from all the different parts of the land come to hear Jesus preach. There are thousands that gather, and this sermon that he gives is known as the Sermon of the Plain. It's a, it's a shorter version of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So Jesus starts teaching, and what you need to understand is why it was that people came to see Jesus. And it's real simple. Number one, he was a great preacher. But the thing that attracted them to to him was the things that he was preaching. They'd never heard this kind of stuff before. And here was this man who taught as one with authority. But what was he teaching, my dear friends? He was teaching kingdom principles, and the people were attracted to that. Well, while he was teaching, guess what happened? Some people realized that he was healing. And so people were going to Jesus and he was healing them and he was also casting out impure spirits. Now I wanna pause for a moment and I just wanna say this to you. Remember, Jesus heals where there is faith. If there is not faith, we know Jesus won't heal, correct? But then something happens. Somebody rubs up against Jesus, and they're healed. So now the word starts spreading through all of the crowd. All you have to do is touch him, and you will be healed. Now, can you imagine the disciples and these thousands of people? So I'm just thinking what what I would be thinking. Okay, so I'm a diabetic, and I find out all I have to do is touch him. Ladies and gentlemen, I will not be denied. (laughs) I am pushing people. I am moving everybody. Why? Just so I can touch the hem of his garment and grab hold. And that's what people were doing. Oh, I would have loved to have seen the disciples in that time. Luis, he would have needed all of your guys to, to help protect him. 
But that's what they do. They're oh, easy, easy. And Jesus has been probably pushed around everything as people trying to reach out and touch him. All right, now the day ends and Jesus now goes to the town, the city of Capernaum. Okay, now we're gonna go there for those of you who are going with us to Israel. Now, I want you to understand a couple things about Capernaum, okay? Number one, it's located right on the water on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. The second thing that I want you to know about Capernaum is that it's also the, the, the new headquarters of Jesus. Now you should be thinking that, wait a minute, now Jesus is from Nazareth. I thought that's where his headquarters were. Nope. He left Nazareth. Do you remember why? Because they didn't have faith. So now Jesus is in Capernaum, and this is also the home of Peter, James, and John. So this is the place where Jesus is now. And all of a sudden, now we get into our story for today. Here we go. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. All right, so here's the story. There's a servant, actually he's a slave. And he is the slave of a centurion. A centurion was a Roman army leader. He was an officer. Now what's interesting about this story is that in the Roman army, the Romans viewed their slaves as property. And I say that because if you ever had an issue with your property, according to the Romans, you just disposed of it. So here's what would happen. If there was a servant that got sick, you know what most of the Roman leaders would have done? They would have killed him. Now this Roman centurion is a little bit different. He's got a relationship with this slave. And in fact, he's looking out for this slave. Now, I wanna tell you a little bit about Roman centurions, okay? Now, just like we like to say about our police officers, they're Wichita's finest, okay? These centurions were the best of the best for the Roman army. You see, these were the men who were leaders over a hundred soldiers. That's where they got the name centurion. These were the favorite leaders of the army. You know why? Because they used to be one of them as far as the soldiers were concerned. I can relate to that guy because he used to be one of me's. So what happened is, is that as they proved themselves as a great warrior and as a great leader, then they would be elevated to that position of centurion. Now listen to this very carefully. In those days when you became a centurion, your pay was doubled. And it could possibly be as much as 17 times what you were originally getting paid. So I tell you that because I want you to know that centurions could be wealthy individuals. Now listen, in those days, the Christian faith attracted people who were Gentiles. You know why they were attracted to the Christian faith? There were two reasons. Number one, they served one God. And the second reason was, 
is their moral teachings. They loved what the Jews believed. So here's what happened. Many of them would participate in the religious activities of the Jews. And they would go all the way up to the very edge of converting, but they wouldn't convert. And the reason they wouldn't convert convert was because of the fact that it would involve circumcision. But these Gentile believers were called God-fearers. Now, everybody on the same page so far? So now what happens is this. The Roman centurion has some Jewish leaders, elders, and they go to Jesus. Why did they go to Jesus? Because they were Jews, and they thought Jesus being a Jew, guess what? We probably have a better luck of bringing Jesus into our midst if I send out brothers who are like him, believe like he is. All right, now, do you remember what these leaders in the church told Jesus? You need to come because he deserves it. He loves our nation and he has built our synagogue. So here's what these Jewish leaders are saying. He deserves it because he is worthy. Now my friends, that's the wrong kind of thinking. But that was the typical thinking of the Jewish people. I've done something good for God, now God better do something good for me. Sounds to me like our thinking, am I right? I mean, you don't have to shake your head or anything because I know there's people looking at you, but you know what? Sometimes I think like that. Sometimes I think, okay, Lord, I've had a pretty good week. I did A, B, C, and D just like you told me to do. Okay, now I'd really like to be at home and watch the football games. I kind of deserve it. I'm just being honest. But here's what I want you to understand. That's the wrong kind of thinking. Because you know what? I'm not worthy. And you know what? God doesn't love me based on the things that I do. See, that's the, that's the belief that we have. We think, if I do this, then God's going to love me. But we also see that if I don't do this, boy, God's going to be really ticked at me, and i got to pay penance and do all that kind of stuff. You remember what the Bible says about how you and I are saved? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Would you please tell me, what is grace? You know what grace is? Undeserved favor. That's how we are saved. Now, what we're about to learn as we go on the story is this. That's not the centurion's thinking. That's the Jewish leader's thinking. Now, watch what happens here. So Jesus went with them. Okay, we got to pause there for a moment because, ooh, problem, right? I mean, Jesus is a Jew. Jews didn't go into the homes of Gentiles. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so are these leaders in the church, are they trying to trap Jesus? 
I don't know, but Jesus is on his way to this centurion's house. What I love about Jesus is is that he knew that these were man-made Jewish rules and Jesus didn't have a whole lot of time for this. You see, he's on a mission. Okay, now look what it says then. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. So there's two things now that we learn about this centurion, okay? And the first one is this. He admits he's not worthy. How do we know that? Because he says, I'm not even worthy to come into your presence. And the second thing we find out is that, dude, this guy's got a faith. He says, All you have to do is say the word. If you just say the word, guess what? My servant will be healed. This centurion believes that Jesus does not have to be present for a miracle to be accomplished. What do we call that? Prayer. Right? It's prayer. So here is this centurion, and he says, Jesus, all you have to do is say the word. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. In your situation right now, do you have that kind of faith? Do you believe that all Jesus has to do is say the word? Do you believe that he will even say the word? Are you on your knees crying out to him? Because if you're not, he's going to allow you to keep descending to rock bottom to where he has your undivided attention. Anybody been there? Not a fun place to be. Now watch. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. All right, now. Here's what the soldiers do is he is explaining why he believes what he believes, okay? And here's what he says. Jesus, I'm just like you. I'm under authority. Wow. I'm just like you, Jesus. I'm under authority. Okay, so let's figure out how the Roman government worked. In the Roman government, Caesar was it. It was an absolute authority. And so whatever Caesar said, went. The way Caesar would govern in the Roman government is he would pass his word down to his leaders, his officers, and then they would initiate on his authority. So here's what you need to understand. When this centurion would get a message or would, in, would begin to lead because of how Caesar has told him to lead, as he would lead, whenever soldiers underneath him would follow his orders, it was like they were being obedient to Caesar. And the same thing is true if they disobeyed. If they disobeyed their, their, their centurion, their officer's will, if they disobeyed their command, It was treated like you disobeyed Caesar, and the penalty would be death then. It was not a democracy. I want you to think about that. You see, the centurion knew that Jesus operated 
under the authority of his heavenly father. In fact, people, Jesus, he, the century knew that Jesus did not even speak a word or heal or walk away. Jesus did nothing unless his heavenly father instructed him to do it. Look at what the Bible tells us in John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's what I want you to learn from this, okay? Here it is. You can't exercise authority over what you are in authority over unless you learn to be under the God who put you in that authority. I know that's a lot of words, but look at that again. You can't exercise authority over what you are in authority over unless you learn to be under the uh, God who put you in that authority. So here's what this verse is, here's what th this is saying to us, okay? It's all about alignment. It's all about alignment. You see, proper alignment brings about authority. Case in point. This is my wife, Lori. She's been my wife for over 40 years. And you know what? In our marriage, one of the things that God did from the very beginning is he gave us roles. One of the roles he gave to me was to be the leader, the head, the accountable one, okay? For me to exercise that authority, according to what we learn in this story, is this. Before I can lead this woman, I need to submit to his authority. And as I submit to his authority, now I can lead, because as I lead, she will follow. Men, did you hear that? You need to first submit under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you come under him and you surrender your life, you surrender everything you have to him. And as you surrender everything to him, guess what? Now you can lead your spouse, and that's the only time you can lead your spouse. Now, why is this so important? Because Paul tells us, if we don't do this, men, your prayers are hindered. Praying for your wife, praying for your family. Tell me something, men. Do you want your prayers hindered? Don't you want God to answer your prayers? If you do, then begin today by submitting to his authority, and then you can lead your wife because she'll follow you. And listen carefully, guys. She won't be able to control it. She can't help it because that's the way God made her. All right, now, wives. The Bible tells you, wives, to submit to your husbands. 
The guys are going, come on, Pastor Pop, give it to her. But ladies, you are to submit to your husbands. That doesn't mean your husbands rule over you. That doesn't mean that you don't have, you don't have a say. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just simply means that as you submit to your husbands, you are to think of it that you are submitting to the Lord. That's what it means. So when you submit to your husband, when you follow your husband's lead as he follows the Lord, okay, did you hear that? As he follows the Lord, guess what? Now the blessings continue to flow from the father through Jesus to the husband, to the father, to the head of the household, to the mother. Why is that important? Because that's how your children are blessed. Make sense? You see, that's what we're learning in this story about faith. We have to submit to God. We have to fall under his leadership, and as we fall under his leadership, then everything flows through us. Let's go on. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith either in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Okay, now, there are only two times in the Bible where it says Jesus was amazed. This is one of them. What's he amazed at? Great faith, right? Here's the other time where Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. So my question for you today is this. So what is Jesus amazed at here this morning? Is he amazed at your faith? Or is he amazed of your lack of faith? Now remember what I said from the beginning. If you're struggling in your faith right now, that's okay, we all do, right church? And remember, it's never about how much faith you have. It's the object of your faith. I want you to think about the power and the authority that God gives to his people. If you go back to this story and you go ahead a few chapters, Jesus then sends out his disciples and he sends them out. And the Bible tells us that as he sends them out, he gives them authority. And they go out and they heal and they do all kinds of stuff. But here's what I want you to remember. What did Jesus give them authority over? Jesus gave them the authority over the things that had authority over them. What are the things in your life that have authority over you? What are the things in life that control your thinking? My wife, she's not mine, she's his. My children, they're not mine, they belong to him. My grandchildren, they're not mine. They belong to him. And so as I submit under his authority, what happens? Faith. I want to go back to something real quick. And if you have life group this week, this will be something for you to talk about. If you notice in this, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. 
I wonder what he meant by that because there was no Israel. There was no land called Israel. What do you mean when he said, I have not found such faith, great faith even in Israel? Well, I looked and looked and looked, and Pastor Theodore, that's something for you to look at, okay? You know what? But, and I couldn't find a good answer except for the fact of this. I think it could be one of the things that Jesus is prophesying that Israel is. Next, we are going to start a series called the I Am series. Not the I will be, not I was, I am. And I believe that what Jesus is telling us here is this. Israel is because they are my people. We need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for them to recognize that the true Messiah has come. And as we pray for him, that's part of our falling under the alignment of our heavenly father. All right, what happens next? Jesus sends the word and the servant is healed. Do you know what it's like to be on that place when all of a sudden God shows up? How has God shown up in your life? We got a great example of what happened with, with Pastor Justin and Amanda. Boy, God showed up and here they are back with a new baby girl. You should hear what they're talking about now. Man, you should see what God did here. You should see what God did here. You see, you forget that Justin's a pastor and China was not allowing pastors to come into China. The first time that he applied for a visa, ikne. Sorry, that means no, okay? No, you're not coming. And I'll tell you, Justin was so calm and cool. He goes, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Oh boy, we got on our knees and we started praying, didn't we, team? And you know what happened? What'd you say? Okay, are you, are you no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on his birthday, right? Okay, on his birthday, he got word that China had okayed him to go in. Only two families got to go in, and he was one of them. Isn't that amazing? One of the things that we probably need to do is do a better job of telling you faith stories because we need to hear them. I know I do. All right, what can we learn from this story? Let's wrap this up. Number one, the only way to truly have great faith is to be operating under the authority of Jesus. Okay, so here's what that looks like. When I come under the authority of Jesus, guess what happens? That authority gives me a position. That's what we want. We want to align ourselves with Jesus and he will bring the authority. Here's the second thing. Humility and faith go hand in hand. That soldier was so humble, he didn't even want to go into the presence of Jesus. And here's what I've learned in life. When I submit and align myself under the authority of Jesus, Jesus keeps me bowed low. He reminds me, I'm just a man. You ain't nothing, boy except that I'm in you. But then as he keeps me bowed low, guess what? He's the one that raises me up. And here's the last one, okay? In the Bible, the object of faith is God and his promises. If you're in that place right now, and you're wondering if God is hearing your prayers, 
You're wondering if God is, 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 is the God that you thought he was. What I would simply say is align yourself under him, surrender to him. It's amazing because in, in, the, in the scriptures, the way you surrender and the way you receive something is the same action. It's like this. Go before Lord and surrender to him and then remind him of his promises. I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. And it may be through the tears and it may even be through what you think is doubt, but the more you speak God's word, God is going to change your heart and your mind. Remember, church, it's not about how much faith we have. It's all about who we have that faith in. And anything in the hands of God, the Bible tells us, little is much in the hands of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. I needed it today. And I know my brothers and sisters needed the same thing. So today, right now, Lord, as I stretch out my hands to you, I surrender. I surrender my life. I surrender my will. I surrender everything that I have, and I give it to you. It's your agenda. It's your schedule, Lord. It's all yours. And as I align myself under your authority, I know now you're going to give me what I need to have in order to lead. I want to lead my family well. I want to lead this church well. But the only way I can do that is to bow down low before you and say, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinful man. Grace, undeserved favor. Thank you, you love me not for what I have done or what I do. You love me for whose I am and I am yours. Now, Father, as I leave this place, I go out into the world it's dark. Let my light shine. Shine bright for you. I want others to know the faith that you've given to me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you please stand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. Go out and enjoy your day off tomorrow. God bless you. We will see you next week.